welcome to episode two of episode getting two yes of getting juicy with rachel and hero mm. and um in this second episode we actually have a guest which is super exciting it? can you believe it no guys we're so famous already <laughs> And well, it's funny because if you're watching this and not listening to this, you're already going to be like, who is that third person? So that's not so much of a surprise. Like he's already there on the screen. <laughs> so our, our, yeah. our guest is uh, Jeff Grace. And Mr. Grace, um, Mr. has anyone called you Mr. Grace? Maybe they uh, do. Not very much, thank too. goodness. I or mean, he used to. Okay, well, I'll take the honor in that. <laughs> <laughs> And Mr. Grace, yes. Mm -hmm. um, Jeff and I, um, I think we met each other first before you, or maybe you knew Hero first. How did that? Yeah, no, I think I met, I think Hero and I met first. Yeah. That's probably right. Yeah. So Jeff, um, Jeff resides in North Vancouver, correct? Are you in yeah. Vancouver now? Yeah. You're no, still in North, North Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah, North, North Vancouver, North Shore guy. Columbia. Um, Jeff actually used to be a teacher at the yoga studio that I had owned, um, which is still going. And I believe Jeff is still teaching there. Um, well, not since the actual, I guess, uh, consistent location closed. Okay. We can talk about right. that another time. Okay. <laughs> okay. I did not know that. <laughs> All right. Okay. We'll talk about that another okay. time. We'll talk about that another so, time. Um, so yeah, no, I'm not teaching there at the moment. Okay. Perfect. So, so in any case, you know, that's how Jeff and I know each other. It's all through the yoga realm or world, um, health and wellness. Um, but, uh, what I would like to first ask Jeff is who's Jeff? Who are you? Who's Jeff? Wow. Who's Jeff? That's, who's Jeff? That's, that's like a, a very big <laughs> question. It's a huge a question. Big question. If you could summarize, if you could summarize yourself in just a couple sentences, if possible, for Does, people that are listening, or what you do, wow. or um, I know, I just, I just shot you with like the mother load. Just, just dive right in. Dive right in. Shot you um, with the mother load. <laughs> I don't know who's Jeff Grace. Um, always got to love giving a bio and thinking about where am I going to start with this? How do I do it? Um, I am a, 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 I'm a lot of things. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a swim coach. I'm a mental health advocate. I'm a writer. Um, yeah. I'm recently a husband. Um, yeah, what else? <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I tell bad jokes. Um, <laughs> actually I, I totally forgot i've i've done stand-up so yes i tell bad yeah. jokes in front of lots of people um yeah i don't know that's me but stand-up but like i but i think that uh it's uh, what i what i love about you and why we wanted you on the show is because there's a lot of commonality i think between the three of us too when it comes to yoga and mental health and awareness and those things and you've you've already kind of you know and i'm a gen open the door to that. remember that and that's the other thing right? that's interesting i know exactly so there's, you know lahayam exactly we brought someone on whom um i think just to start it all off has a lot of commonalities with us that maybe we can have an interesting conversation because we have um some similar whether it be genetic <laughs> attributes <laughs> um you know those kinds of things as well but yeah jeff yeah. is also jewish which 
I completely forgot about. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like back to maybe we'll start with even the mental health component. Yeah. You did mention that. And when you said comedy, which is interesting, what I find extremely not just interesting, but um, this takes a lot of a lot of chutzpah. Is that the nice. right, right way to say that's, it? That's the right way to say it. That was well done. <laughs> a lot of it, it took me a second to think about that word. I'm like, is that? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to use that here. A lot of Maybe a little bit more. <sighs> yeah, that's true. That's yeah, for true. like a minute, a minute or so. A yeah. lot of <laughs> chutzpah uh, to get on stage. But when you mention that, it's, it's all for a very... Um, maybe slightly different reason why people would mostly think of comedians getting on stage. Can you explain about that a little bit more? Cause yeah, no. So really how I, I got into doing that a few times was there was someone at actually a fundraiser for um, the North shore bipolar or I'm trying to think what it was at the time, but uh, bipolar foundation. Mm. And uh, they brought this guy, Dave Grenier in. And he did stand-up comedy for the fundraiser and talked about how he ran this program called Stand Up for Mental Health. And so what it is, is basically, and, and Dave's done an incredible job of spreading this actually across the world. Like he's got these um, workshops in Australia. I believe he's got some in Europe. He's got lots all over North America. And so basically what it is, is he brings in a group of people who have um, legitimate mental health challenges. Um, I always say you have to have a piece of paper to get in the group. And um, <laughs> doctor's note. <laughs> exactly. No, this person Literally. really does have something going yeah. on. This is my and, question. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And the group usually starts, I want to say, probably around like 15 people. It whittles itself down like any group like that. Um, and basically, you learn how to do stand-up comedy around your mental health challenges. So it's, um, you know, it's kind of got the twofold aspect to it. One, it's a, it's a great way to do advocacy work um, and really brings some of the mental health um, subject matter to the population in a little bit more of a, I don't know, relatable, gentle um, way. And, uh, and then on the other side, it gives just a lot of people an opportunity, one, to tell their story, which is, mm -hmm. you know, cathartic for many. And two, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the girls that uh, I was uh, in our main class with She's gone on to like really, she came, she came in and Juno wouldn't mind me kind of telling this story. She came in and actually her first day, it was really funny. He, Dave was going around asking people stuff and she's like, yeah, you know, I came to this, this, this workshop like two or three years ago. And I think I remember part of my first class that I did, but I think I came to three of them <laughs> and she was like, I, it was at a really bad drug stage for me oh, and no. you know she's like but i'm back i'm gonna try oh, to stay and um now she's like she's she's a comedian i mean she is really? legitimately like the funniest person i've ever met um but 
like for wow. her, some of this stuff that that's hilarious, like in class, she would go off on a rant and we would be crying on just how funny <laughs> it was. And this is no joke. And in real time, I go, Juno, you have to write that shit down. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know. Can no, I say we, stuff we, like that? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Get all of that stuff out. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's okay. Right, we all Podca- forms of podcasts are amazing because you can swear. And we've already said some slightly dirty stuff. So we're all awesome. we're yoga teachers. Yet, yet we say fuck. We say shit. We say piss. We say all oh that kind of stuff. God, so, I know. You're a yoga teacher and you do that <laughs> shit? My God. And the first episode, I, I was no, a little bit of alcohol. Stuff. Like, God. My God, bad influence. You tell me I could drink on this podcast. <laughs> well, it's 9 a.m., so I'm- I don't care. It's just coffee. Drink as much as you want. Just coffee. Anyways, um, so I, I was like, Juno, you got to write that shit down. And she literally turns around to me and goes, What did I say? Oh, my, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like that's just, you know, where her, where her evolution of her brain. Um, has wow. gone and she though like she is now i want to say she's like president of the nonprofit um side of stand up for mental health she's doing you know paid gigs wow. with it and i mean you know she is yeah she's she's absolutely ridiculous but so that's one real um sense of the success on that side of it the success on the advocacy side is is huge like i said about this spreading around the world um and then quickly say because you're it's just just because it's a topic you you actually like segued into it quite seamlessly or perfectly in my mind talking about this you know, this very strong woman who just got up there and was like, well, fuck this. I'm just, this is me. And didn't seem to, you know, I mean, that takes a lot of guts, man. I can't, I still can't imagine doing that. So it kind of segues into what Hero and I were talking about is, and I feel like she is this person, maybe we all kind of are, are somewhat high functioning anxiety sufferers, but high functioning you know, I don't know if that makes, if that I, kind of like, it's, it's a weird, like, and the reason why I say that is because my, even my mother would tell you, she's like, yeah, like I'll have my horrible bouts of anxiety, depression, whatever it may be. And then, you know, a few days later, I, I get, I always seem to get back on the horse. She's like, yeah, but honey, like when have you ever, you know, stopped working, stopped doing all the things you want to do, stop being creative. So in a way there is that high functioning component. Um, Yet it's an it's a, it's still an everyday battle, right? So I I don't know if there's different levels of that for different people, but it just um it's I feel like it's um even the story you just told about that woman it's it's a very uh, real thing I think for some of us and that people might not know necessarily that you One have anxiety or that I have anxiety or sorry go ahead hero no because it relates to what you're saying i think it's important for us to distinguish right from the beginning of our conversations with our guests and ourselves as well as that there are different spectrums of mental health and as Mm -hmm. far as anxiety is concerned anxiety can mean ocd and ptsd which i live with every day even this weekend i had a flare-up but as far as um depression and other forms of psychosis and other forms of uh, mental spectrums of development, behavioral, 
cognitive or chemical. I think it's important to understand that and distinguish what those are, which we're aware of, but our listeners might also not be as aware of those things either. So I think it's just important to distinguish that because with bipolar, which I do not live with or have, it is another mental condition and way of living that I think is important, which I think is a great that we have someone in our show that can educate people about that because they might correlate, but they are also individual within their own way of living as well and how we view life, right? And how we interact yeah. with the world. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And also, I think just, just to really shine light on it and see that we're, you know, even though we're all battling with our own personal demons and different demons, that we're mm -hmm. still all getting out there and, and trying to flourish and flourishing and triumphing triumph triumphing is that a word triumphing, triumphing. Above? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah. anyway i'm sorry to interrupt you jeff but it was just no um yeah that story just kind of it kind of brought together some of the stuff that i wanted to talk about today so cool yeah yeah i mean you know um when we hit back on that i've got i've got my own my own viewpoints on on that kind of the the phrase of high functioning. Um, I want to hear them. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to finish my one thought yes. about the standard for mental health, because one of the things I found so cool about how Dave ran these things was, and I was also, um, you know, here on the North shore, a group that saved my life is, is a bipolar support group um, that runs on the North shore once a week. And uh, mm -hmm. So I was involved in that for, for years and then go to the stand up for mental health group. And the first day Dave's like, okay, we're, we're here to support each other, but this is not a support group. He's like, the thing that's going to happen is you'll say something that you would say in a support group where people would, you know, show their empathy and be like, Oh my goodness. And ask questions about it and whatnot. He's like, yeah, for us, you might say the same thing. We go, hell, that'd make a good joke, man. <laughs> and that's, you know what? That's, uh, yeah, that's, that's what that, that aspect was. One of the greatest aspects of that is it gave you the permission to, to, to just let go of, of, of any, attachment you had or to a label to a diagnosis to whatever right and just love that make, make fun of each other for it too yeah mm -hmm. yeah you, know. you weren't there for reassurance or for no. those kinds of things it was a different kind of therapy and i appreciate yeah. that because i think that also anxiety sufferers or more specifically anxiety anxiety sufferers will go and um try to grasp onto reassurance all the time um yeah. so it's it's nice to have a different kind of group that is geared towards um a comedy i guess and just putting a different light on it spinning it a little bit of a different way yeah you know it's, it's yeah. interesting too since you know kind of being in that that world um a little bit like i i, I wasn't other than eddie murphy in my like you know younger years i wasn't that <laughs> that big on uh, stand-up comedy and but over the last few years it's been interesting to you to see how many comedians have actually done shows on exactly that there's i can't remember his name um this is one of my favorites it's it's called the great the press 
Okay. Depression, the Great Depression. The Great and Depression. Yeah. Okay. Who, uh, the comedian is awesome. And he does it as it, like a little bit of a bio, a little bit of stand-up. So it's a stand-up. So how, how, how the special is actually done is they kind of go through his life in, in a bio, like his mom's in there, they interview him and whatnot, and it intersperses with the stand-up. Right. So uh, it's really cool. It's done really well. Um, one that I don't know why, I think it might have been the night, and I have to go and back and this, visit listeners, it. I'm going to put that, I'll put that actually in the, um, the, the episode description, like a link to that if I can find it, The Great Depression, I'll, right? I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah, sweet. Um, but I'll just make sure that everyone knows that if they're interested in it, yeah. they can click on that. Yeah, sweet. And the other one I was going to say um, that just didn't resonate me on the night I decided to watch it, but I think that it will. Um, at a different point, it's called Three Mics. Okay. And um, I, once again, forget who, who did it, but <laughs> one mic was like stand-up um, one-liner type things. Yeah. The other mic was like stand-up kind of storytelling type thing. And the other mic was his story of a battle with depression so he went through and he went to the different mics as he's doing the performance and basically took on the different roles of a storyteller wow yeah that's great that's really cool i'd like to see that yeah. actually that's very that's really neat yeah yeah i yeah. know it's uh it's really interesting some of the <laughs> like i said um creativity that's coming out and and a lot of you know, there's always a jokes about this. Most stand-up comics are, you know, have, have some of their own challenges. And, actually, and I was just listening to uh, Joe Rogan with, I think it was Rob Lowe of all people <laughs> was on his show. And they were, they were talking about like, Rob Lowe was talking about like, and I think a lot of uh, actors will say this about their kids are like, oh my God, I never want my kids to be in, in showbiz. Like it is just way too stressful. Like it's just, you know, all those things. And they were talking about comedians and how, they're like, can you think of a comedian that has not had his, his or her own or it or she or whatever, their own demons, their own, um, like that, that is normal. Like there's yeah. no comedian that is quote unquote normal. Like they all have something that they're struggling with. Um, unfortunately, sometimes it ends up being abuse of drugs, like those kinds of things. But um, yeah, that's very, I don't know if that's just, is that like a creative bone in the body like i don't i don't, I don't know <laughs> yeah i think i think you know what i, I think there's i think there's there's two elements because if you do you know enough reading you can see that obviously there tends to be that correlation between people who have mental health challenges and creativity yeah um there mm -hmm. i mean it's just a high correlation of it and then um <clears throat> excuse me the other fact is, is that why all jews are in show business <laughs> all right. we, want to take, we want to take back what was ours that was taken like, from us I think that has a lot to do with that oh we goodness. have a lot of that trauma and you know we have an outlet and, for it and out, yeah I don't sorry yeah. <laughs> we'll, talk about, we'll talk about the, the ishness afterwards but yeah oy vey oy vey indeed um <laughs> It's uh, no, and I think and I think that's the other side you, you kind of brought up is that just people dealing with demons in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, comedy is is 
is a good way to to kind of get some of that some of that out i think you know yes yeah so yeah well, like it was it, you know one of the things that was great about this too before we kind of leave it the the standard for mental health i mean there was you know one of the one of the guys that was in our group like crippling anxiety and watching him get up on stage Mm -hmm. and and you know what like he actually be a great person for for your podcast because michael's jewish and like all of his like mental health jokes were like all really Jewish mental health jokes. Niche, hey, hero. Oh, like we're, yeah. just, we're just pegging Perfect ourselves. Niche. I know. <laughs> we're trying, we're I know. trying not to. We're trying to not just get Jewish interviewees or guests. Like we really want to keep it yeah. open. But yeah, it's yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I forgot that you were ish, and then my our potential next guest. I also forgot she was, and so it's just anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite fascinating, right? Yeah. But that's, it's, um, that's, I love, I love hearing these stories. I love it. I love yeah, it. It's perfect. just, we, we can never stop hearing these things. And, you know, as I was talking to some friends last night, as we get into this age now where I don't think we're necessarily going to go back from being virtual, like it's going to be a long time before we, you know, pull back from being so virtual because of the pandemic we're in and because of the state of the world. I think this is just the future is now with doing all these kinds of things. It's just going to get more and more technical and with electronics that we have to really, um, we're going to lose touch with, with the human interaction. And that's, I think that's hard with people with anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. right? It's hard because we, we already have maybe a hard time getting ourselves out there into the public, right? And interacting with people and imagine what this is doing now as we're, you know, I mean, at least we're doing these kind of interactions, but. I mean, it's kind of, it's it, <laughs> on the opposite side. Um, fine for me where my wife, Yanni just looked at me at one point during, during the initial parts of like quarantines and, yep. and whatnot. And she's like, this doesn't bug you that much at all. Does it? I'm like, no, you know what? I like chilling in my house, reading and taking Huxley for hikes on my own. I'm all yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so it's not that I'm mm-hmm. saying that that's always healthy. That's my tendency. <laughs> right? I'm not saying yeah. that that's a healthy way to live. Don't get me that wrong. Don't get me wrong on that. I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. You know, because for me, right, if we touch on the anxiety end and, mm-hmm. and me personally, um, you know, it, I... I would say I developed social anxiety. I mean, you know, to, to be full out um, just diagnosis wise, I'm, I'm bipolar too. And um, I've got a little extra spice on the side with narcolepsy. And can you explain, sorry, can you explain yeah. what bipolar two means? Yeah. What's the yeah. So yeah. you've got um, bipolar one, okay. which uh, basically the, Manic phase of bipolar one tends to go to a much higher level. And then it is also tends to be a larger period of time between um, episodes. Mm -hmm. So there tends to be kind of, uh, you know, if you're going to have episodes, um, depending on how you're being treated, how you blah, blah, blah. But the, the tendency is a year to a year and a half between kind of the manic episodes and and the downs can be whatever the downs are Mm -hmm. um 
actually it's it's interesting after i got diagnosed bipolar 2 my mom got diagnosed bipolar 1 so mm. it was interesting that they had her pegged as clinically depressed and then all of a sudden when i get diagnosed they're like oh maybe we should look into this bipolar thing for you um so she's um she's on the spectrum in that way bipolar 2 the tendency now it's not that um, manic episodes can't escalate to where it's more on an out of control end. Um, myself, I'm lucky. I've only experienced hypomania, um, which I have to say is something I miss. Um, but we can talk about that as well. That's a different, yeah. <laughs> um, is that the ups and the downs come uh, more frequently. Okay. And, okay. you know, you, you, your downs will go as 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 far as downs go um your ups tend to be like i said a little less than what a bipolar one um individual would experience okay. and they just tend to be i mean i i've had in the past probably you know like three episodes in a year oh wow yeah yeah, yeah. So. and then they and then they they how long do they last for those three episodes. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but I'll say a timeline and you know when my Ben friends will look at me and basically, you know, laugh their ass off and be like, Yeah, I know, it's longer than that, man. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well that's the, the thing. Like I'm sorry, Hero, if you don't know if you're gonna say well, I was gonna say that our our perception of reality is our perception of reality. So when we have a, a, a space or a time where we're feeling or behaving in a certain way that we think is a certain way, usually that's pretty distorted compared to the outer perspective. So as Jeff was saying, you know, just because we think we're we're totally fine or we know we're not okay or somewhere between that people on the other side of us are going to have a much different reality because they're not in the same, they're not in the same brain state as we are, right? The chemical balances are going to be different. Yeah. So that makes a lot, makes a lot of sense. Agreed. Well, <clears throat> just for example, yeah, the other day, a friend of mine was telling me how they, um, you know, and I, I don't want to name names on this show. That's not what we're here to do. So um, someone I know did tell me they were having a panic attack and, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, breath and those things, and it only lasted for a couple minutes. And then this particular person said to me, well, if it lasted for longer than that, then, you know, maybe I would get concerned. I was like, how about, how about a week? Like I've, right. So for me, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would be lucky. It's funny. I would, I would, I would consider myself happy or lucky or that it was a positive thing that it only lasted for a couple of minutes for myself. Cause you know, there yeah. are times where it'll last for me. It's a couple of minutes is actually good. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. not that bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, I think, exactly. I think that's something so, to, <clears throat> to, to maybe touch on it. I mean, I don't know where you guys want to go today. Um, but you know, I've, I've got some little, I don't know if pet peeves is the right word, but one of them is, you know, it, everyone, no matter where they are in a spectrum is going to experience anxiety. Anxiety is healthy. Anxiety is normal. Yes. Yes. Right? It is. And I, I think that yeah. too much of that has been, you know, demonized. Mm -hmm. um, and so therefore anyone who's experiencing any type of anxiety that's in their, you know, perception mm -hmm. um, is higher than what they would consider normal 
all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've got anxiety issues. I've got anxiety problems. I've got anxiety disorder. And it's like, mm-hmm. when you look at what's, you know, once again, I'm going to go back to that. It, I mean, this is a, it, some people take this joke fine. Others don't. Um, <laughs> oh, go for you it. Know, I'm, I, I love a Simpsons episode where, you know, um, Bart, washes his red hat in homer's white shirts and he goes into the power plant and with a pink shirt and of course mm-hmm. you know mr burns calls him in and and gets him diagnosed as insane and they're taking homer off to like the institution and and they've got him you know grabbed him and they're like he's how do you know who's who's sane and who's insane and the doctor mm-hmm. goes anyone with and he stamps his hand Yep. And it says insane with that stamp is insane. <laughs> the label. Oh my God. So for me. Yeah. And this is where right. some people are okay with this joke. Some people aren't. That's when a good example. I, like I go, yeah. I've got the stamp. Right. Where it's like, no, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's an official. You got the diagnosis. You got the, right. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's, and I think that too hmm. many people, once they feel that heightened anxiety, think they have some issue with anxiety. Whereas when it's really, you know, something that I don't want to say is legit, but you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. on the, on the, on the disorder end, um, it, it, it affects life in a significant, significant way that mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm searching for words. I'm sorry, but well, it, on, a, on a daily, on a, on a, an everyday, everything you do basis. Yeah. It's not yeah. just, it's, it basically is. Debilitating was a word I was going to say, right? Like when yeah, you're talking yeah. about heightened and talking about like, I would love it if it lasted like minutes, <laughs> right? right? Like uh-huh. that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That is such great progress. But um you know, when it's that long lasting and really debilitating, uh, it's, that's what it is. It's debilitating. And it's not just, I feel anxious and I got to kind of get through this. It's a debilitating illness. Yeah. It's like, I can't work. I can't, I don't want to leave my house today. I can't. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, I have so many thoughts, you know, it's, this is such a huge topic. Um, I feel like we're going to do multiple episodes on this because there's just way too much to say. And I was about to delve into, um, you know, labels and, you know, what's the difference between just coping with anxiety? Can you actually heal from anxiety? Is it genetic? Like, is it, I feel like there's so many amazing topics that we can delve into for um, listeners, which we will in the future. This is really just scratching the surface like 100 scratching the surface um you know because then then we could get into um and hero please take i feel like i'm i feel like i'm doing a lot of the talking i'm sorry um <laughs> Hiro, is there something you want to say because there's something i do want to get into in a sec but just with you know labels yeah and what we were just talking about please yeah for sure well i think one on that note about listening and not speaking as much i think it's important also to allow for people to run at their creative train of thought and to know that, you know, it's natural for certain dialogues to be more or less. What I've been taking away from these shared dialogues is 
you know, mental health is a spectrum that's broken into many spectrums. And in the relation to anxiety, in relation to mental health, um, as someone that does live with chronic anxiety, and definitely it's not generalized that it's chronic. I think it's important to understand that when we have any kind of condition, as Jeff was saying, you know, if it's debilitating in your life, whether if it's intermittent, if it's daily, or so forth, it comes in waves. And that's kind of the, the metaphor that I like to think about mental health, is that it comes in waves, even if it's consistent, and it's turbulent. It's not always going to be, um, the shoreline's never going to be always tied in or tied out. It's going to be very haphazard. But you could go with months where you would not think anything at all. And then all of a sudden, you know, the earth comes in and you realize what you're going through and you get humbled pretty quickly, right? Mm -hmm. So when we have a condition like anxiety or bipolar or depression or things in those veins, it's important to understand that when it's healthy and when is, when is it stagnant or when is there a deficiency or an over-efficiency, you know? And so I like to think of, the, of, our, of our nervous system. You know, if our nervous system is in a fight-and-flight parasympathetic state constantly, which it is more often than not because of how most people do live their life, we're always in a state of anxiety. But it's a matter of how heightened and aware we are of that and how we react to it. And partially, we can't control that always. We can learn how to have tools and skills, which some are more deaf to inquiry or to integrating um, consciously, which I have done through dialectic behavior therapy, which has been a godsend. We should talk about that one episode. Mm -hmm. But then also, um, there are some people that just go through it and they might know about it, but they're not as susceptible to reacting or to feeling vulnerable to um, seeing it being an issue mm -hmm. so i think that's also a very gray area too you gotta really understand that it's perspective perception and some things are chemical and some things are onset and situational so it's a very it's Not a very black and white no yeah. it's very very much transparent yeah so that's that's really all i have to say on that note but i think it's important to identify and to acknowledge that as well for those that are you know floating around and that are wondering where am i you know and you're here. We're here together. So, you know. Well, it's, it's interesting because um, for many years, I mean, when I was, and I haven't talked about this yet, but I was, when I was 18, I um, thought I was coming down with the flu because I wasn't feeling that great. And then I started to get these bouts of like derealization or depersonalization. So feeling like I thought that I had just smoked a joint, but I really hadn't because <laughs> my whole perception of reality, I felt wonky and dizzy and you know, I, um, at that time, um, 2001-ish, two, yeah, 2001, it's not something that was really talked about in schools yet. You know, my parents, no one was really versed in, you know, symptoms of anxiety or those kinds of things. So um, in any case, long, long story short, I have spent many years doing so many different, you know, things for myself, but, but many years thinking that this is just going to go away. Like I've spent, I've spent pretty much my entire adult life thinking that I could do all these things and I would be cured. Like there's a cure out there somewhere, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and even if I didn't say it out loud necessarily that way, all the tools and the things I've been doing for so many years, I think that subconsciously I was looking for that magic pill or that, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, I go through bouts of like being really good at, um, you know, doing my, my daily meditation and then going to therapy. And then I would go through, you know, where I'm just like, fuck this. I don't want to do any of this. I don't, I don't, why do I need this? You know, 
I don't want to have to need this. I want to be normal. So I wouldn't do any of that stuff for a long time. Only recently has someone actually told, told me, they said, you know what? Yeah, maybe you're not going to get rid of it completely and it's part of your DNA, but you can manage it. Mm-hmm. So the word for me, you can manage it was huge for me. Like instead of saying there's not going to be necessarily, and that's not a depressing thing. It's like, you're not going to change yourself completely, be a different person. It's not going to be a magic pill, but you can manage it. And there are ways you can manage it. It's not a, you know, anyway, that was, that was a big, and that was actually not even that long ago for me to come to that realization. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I want to speak to that briefly because I like, I appreciate the, the term of management because for me, I never, from my perspective, I've never had the idea that, you know, what I have is going to go away or that I can get rid of it, you know, and the ability to, and I don't know if it's the same, but in some ways of how Jeff was talking about the loopy back in here, Jeff, is how when it was coming to what we have, what we live with, what can we do with it, right? What can we do with it to make it of use to not only ourselves but to also not say this is who I am, what I am, therefore that's all I am. But what can we do with that part of ourself that can then contribute to the lives of other people? And while we're here in this vessel, while we're here on this weird thing in the sky, what can we do with people that, um, if we wish to, because that's not everybody's calling and that's totally fair. I, I respect that immensely. What can we do to make use of it so we can help other people that might be going through it that are before us or after us or that are with us in our generation? It's all about what we want to make of it. So if Rachel is examining, you know, I can manage this, you know, you can also therefore celebrate it. And so for me, I'm, I'm always parading around like, I'm, I've got anxiety. I'm crazy as fuck. But you know what? I love myself for that. And you know what? I'm not going to be seen the way that others are going to be seen. And chances are I'm going to be misunderstood a lot, which is actually exactly all my life has been. Mm-hmm. But look at all the things that I've been able to create and trailblaze and inspire in people or even provoke in people or piss a lot of people off. But then, therefore, here I am still today having a conversation about it and then continuing that legacy in making a difference in even some person's life that I have even no idea that they might be even listening to this right now in the future. So I think it's important to find the inspiration and to take something that we go through or that something that has happened and making it either making light of it or bringing light to it. And I think those two distinctions are very important to acknowledge and to determine what our role is that we want to play in that. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's a few things. First off, that you've got, you know, two, two Jews and one half Jew on here and we're not talking over each other. And I know that all three of us like to talk. So, <laughs> you know, good on us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny talking about, you know, that, the, the me being Jew-ish, um, with my mom being Roman Catholic, my dad being Jewish, and my Bobby at her funeral. I want to talk about this, yeah. It was, it was funny because I haven't spent a ton of time um, with my dad's side. Mm-hmm. And uh, my Bobby's funeral, like, I have all these cousins from New York who, like, three of them are rabbis. And, and like, I, you know, no idea. So we're all in this kosher deli afterwards. And I'm sitting there, and I am the only Gentile, so I am like a novelty number one. This is in New York. One. Is no, this, this is in, this is in Toronto. In so, Toronto, okay. Yeah, but we are like little New York. Mid, yeah, and we are in the middle of <laughs> Jewville, 
Like yep. we are on Bathurst, right in the right in the and heart. Like yes, yes. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel. I feel. Like I feel my- out of place because I don't yep. have a yarmulke and don't have like <laughs> you know, walk it. Like anyways, but with it, where I was going to go with it was that I'm in this 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 deli with my family, and I came out of there and I'm like, Seinfeld wasn't that smart. Like all he had to do is walk into a deli and like, I've got like five Seinfeld episodes right now. Like just right, watching right, my relatives. Right. Hilarious. Oh right? yeah. It's, yeah. Um, going back to the mental health thing on, on, on a couple of notes is one, right. It's, it, it, you know, it's funny. I got asked, I was talking at uh, UBC to a group of pharmacy students and um, their their prof was like, this is uh, this might be a stupid question. And and I look and I'm like, I'm sure you guys have all heard him say this to you. There is no stupid question. <laughs> um, but he's like, if you could be born without this, would you? Right? Um, and I mean, it's still a question that that to be honest, I struggle with because do I do I want to to be challenged with this? No, God no. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Right, but do we want to be faced with many of the challenges we do in life? No, but they make us who we are. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, as as you were saying, you know, in the, in the same way, I, ca- I kind of like myself. So um, it's uh, we like you too. Like, no, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and oh god, with it is what that smile it, hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to be cured. Um, is right. another aspect, right? Like looking for a cure, and it is so. Now going back to my first support group was really interesting. I was in a place called Magnolia House here on the North Shore, um, which is I call it a, a halfway loony bin um, mm-hmm. because they don't. I know I'm I'm not politically correct with this stuff. Um, they don't. They. they it's humor. yeah there's a psych ward and then there's magnolia house okay. and right. um so when i went into lionsgate uh i guess twice within a week and a half and the second time was just i i couldn't stop crying um and mm-hmm. my anxiety was ramped i mean i was mm-hmm. i was you know i've tried to commit suicide twice um i've always said in my adult life though even though you know i have sat there at times with like enough pills in my hands to end things or you know um like my suicidal ideation at times is is overwhelming but anyways what i was going to say with that is i've always said in my adult life that you know my um friends or my medical people don't have to be worried about me actually following through on these ideas while my mom's still alive, because I'm going to be completely honest when it comes to myself. Now I'm at a different point in my life than where I would say this um, in the past, but I was completely willing to kill one person. I wasn't willing to kill two, right? right. Like I was completely willing to, you know, take my life at different points, but I knew that it would kill my mom. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, and I'm not willing to do that. So as long as my mom's still alive, nobody's got to worry about me on that end, no matter how depressed I get. Um, 
Now you have other people. I mean, you're married. Well, I know. I like and I said, this was the past. Yeah. I used to yeah, say this, this more. Past. Right. So what? So can I? So what got you past that thought? Um, was which it thought was about that? Like you didn't <laughs> care so much about you. Um, I mean, it's to be honest, like it's kind of weird for for a very long time. Um, actually, one of the most comfortable places, with like I said, is weird to hear and weird to say, um, was in that zone um because i knew it so well like where i was consistently thinking of new ways to off myself um well we live in it's yeah it's i've i've been really yeah there's there's so many crazy uh, i shouldn't use that word because i hate that word actually but there's so many comfort profound. zones yeah profound comfort zones that anxiety suffers bipolar whatever mental health that it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like it should be comfortable yeah. Right. When you say that, it doesn't sound like it should be comfortable, but it is, it is a comfort zone of what a sufferer is familiar with. It's almost easier to go there than it is to be positive. Yeah. And I mean, you have to, I mean, when, when you are still kicking, um, you know, you, you have to learn how to, you know, manage that zone and manage how to be in yeah. that zone. Right. So even though it might not be a comfortable place, you've learned how to manage it enough that we're, we're still living. Right. And so then it, 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 it is a place that you've, you've actively had to, I don't know, make better if that's the right way of saying it, but you've had to deal with it. It's something you've had to deal with, right? We can, we, can push, we can push shit down. Yeah. Right. And not deal with it. But if you're in a place where, you know, your ideation is like obsessive in your mind mm -hmm. and you're still talking, well, you've had to deal with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you ain't walking away without dealing with it. So I think that might yeah. be one of the reasons why it feels almost like a, not a safe space, but just, just a space that is okay. Um, you know, for me, uh, I don't want to leave this zone before just say, like, my first, um, so when I was in Magnolia House, mm -hmm. my first visit to this support group, which was run by a great doctor who unfortunately passed just a few months ago um, mm -hmm. named Dr. Termanson, and it was the only um, possibly in the world bipolar support group that was actually managed by a psychiatrist. Wow. Mm. And so I went in there and, you know, I was, I was in a very um, depressed state and also just to, before saying the, the, the story, I hate when people call me Jeffrey. And so Dr. T, ever have. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you haven't. Dr. T came in and he's like, so has everybody met the new people? And there's probably like 16 people around the table. I think there's two, maybe three of us new. And people are like, no. He's like, okay, well, let's start with Jeffrey. Motherfuck. <laughs> um, right. And so I'm like, I'm Jeff. I'm diagnosed with bipolar two when I was 26. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm in Magnolia house now because I'm depressed. Yeah. And this is my doctor. Yeah. You haven't told us anything. <laughs> I'm like, what? So, okay. Go a little deeper. Yeah. 
you still haven't told us anything. And I, really, mm-hmm. I turn and look at him, I'm like, the fuck do you want me to say? And right. I actually, I, I mean, it was great. And, and Dr. T did this to me so many times. And being a swim coach, I'm like, you know, like to think I'm a, I'm, I'm a pretty big expert on knowing how to press people's buttons to get stuff out of them. And, you know, sometimes you got to piss someone off to get, you know, out of them what needs to get out of them. Mm-hmm. And there's so many times I would go see Dr. T and, you know, being like, I'm not, I, I don't want to talk about shit. And then I come mm-hmm. out of there and I'm like, he just did what I do to athletes all the mm-hmm. time. And I couldn't stop him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and he would just, he, he, he knew, however, he knew that he needed to piss me off to get me to really open up about a lot of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. there at that time, I just went off about how, you know, I, <clears throat> take the meds that I've been given religiously. I'm seeing, you know, a, a, a psychologist. I'm now seeing, you know, a, a psychiatrist. I get my sleep. I try to manage my nutrition as best I can. I'm doing yoga. I'm journaling. And I'm still fucking here. Right? So these are yeah, the things you are. you're doing now still. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So That's important. Yeah, because I just like, there's just something super important, I think, that we need to discuss is just after talking about um you know like a very heavy topic of suicide attempts for people that might be listening what what is it that got you to the place you are now because that's well there's and and and, important to and these the the two insights i got from this first night and i'm sorry I, i i tend to tell stories long um, that's trust okay me, trust me my, we my, do too my, okay good um because my wife likes to remind it me it could be a three-hour podcast on. but it's not <laughs> <laughs> we can have you back, uh, we can have you back. yes um and um he the dr t looked at me and he goes you know what like there's no guarantees man mm. you could be the perfect patient and i'm not guarantee you that you're going to be stable at all. He goes, actually, you know what? I am going to guarantee you something. You can be the perfect patient. I will guarantee you will have depressive states and you most likely will have manic states. Mm-hmm. And so one of, the, one of the things I said within my rant was about fighting. And so then after the meeting, I'm talking with this guy. And, and at the time, I guess I was like 30-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was the youngest by uh, a good chunk in this group. And Brian, who's probably the closest to my age, kind of, he pulled me over after and he goes, hey man, so first off, I'm not going to tell you I know how you feel because whenever anyone says that to me, I like make a fist and I want to punch him in the face. And he goes, I'd rather walk away from this conversation without a broken nose and he goes, so I'm not going to say I understand or I know how you feel. He said, but I heard you say fight a lot. Mm. And he said, when things got better for me is when I stopped fighting. He said, mm-hmm. you know, for us, this is a biological thing. Mm-hmm. So are you just going to try to fight against a chemical reaction that's happening in your body? Or are you going to kind of let it ride and be like a cold? Mm-hmm. Right. And kind of go, this is something that's happening in my biology. And, 
you know, that was a point where I started to, to realize I might be able to, and this then transfers into the yoga aspect of things, but be able to release some of that attachment and observe, right? Mm -hmm. So observe suicidal ideation, and coming back to what you're talking mm -hmm. about with wanting to touch on that, mm -hmm. but being able to see these suicidal ideations as things that are just passing by, right? And be able to watch them without being grabbed by them and taken away. That right? is the huge takeaway. And I was actually talking to you about this recently. One of my favorite words right now is neutral. How can we be neutral to, mm -hmm. you know, and especially with someone like me who deals with a lot of um, health anxiety. So, you know, something in my chest, oh my God, I've got lung cancer or something. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. maybe that's a Jewish thing too, but. <laughs> I think it is a little bit. I, mean, I it think is it is a little bit too. Has a I mean, I definitely, sure. right. And I, I definitely go to the, the far extreme of things, but you know, what I'm really trying to do is um, how to get into the mindset of like, okay, this is not a good feeling. It's not a bad feeling. It just it's a feeling. is a feeling. It's a fact. It's just new. It's just, how can we be neutral? And um, yeah. just to get, um, cause I don't know how much time, how much time do you guys have? It's about 10 o'clock right now. I've, oh, I've got 10 minutes. 10 minutes. I've okay. 10 minutes. Okay. Perfect. Cause, um, and then when Jeff, when you were talking about fighting, stop fighting now in a way, I don't like the word fight when it comes to the fighting against yourself, you know, or fighting against this thing. Like, can we just not be and sit with it, be neutral with it, but it is the fight in us that allows us to go forward and to you know continue to uh work on ourselves right so there's like there is a positive way and and what i think of myself as fighting is i think of i have some maybe not so great dna stuff or chemical stuff with anxiety and those things but yet i also have some fight in me from my grandparents from the holocaust survivors from the and I guess, okay, maybe that, maybe the fight's not the right word. Resilience. Resilience is a great way of describing that tenacity. Yeah, and, and, and I laugh and because I was about to say that exact same thing. Mm -hmm. The word or? Yeah, the word. Like, because mm -hmm. I, I think the, the I vocabulary just changes in a different way because the fight, when you say fight, that, I don't know, that, that can just create a nasty cycle, I guess. And when you talk yep. about resilience and you talk about management, that's, that's also, you know, going hand in hand, but basically mm -hmm. you're resilient to challenges, right? So you're taking them on and you have strength through them, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you have to be, you know, punching it in the face <laughs> all the time. Totally. No, and, and that's, that's and when you're, reactive in a way, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. And when you're, and when you're talking about resilience as well, though, I mean, I can't describe how many people have said to me, Hiro, you are one of the most resilient people that I've met. Um, and I can kind of, I can see it now, because if you think about the relationship to the Holocaust, having for me to a grandparent from either side of my parents that are Holocaust survivors that had mm -hmm. the fight through the war and go through here. So you kind of look at the miracle of the fact that the fact that I'm alive, even regardless of what was dealt to me prior to that or onset in my actual existence now, that there's a gift. And, you know, I'm one of those either lucky or neutral people that can't inflict self-harm on themselves physically. So I didn't really have the DNA to say, 
I'm going to take my life because I'm suffering so much and I don't know when this is going to end. I'd rather end it myself. I never had the the mm-hmm. will to do that. So I kind of had to say, okay, so if I can't do that and I'm too afraid to do that, then great, I get to live. But how do I find the resilience and the meaning to actually live my life and to use the life I have while I have it, right? And I didn't explain this in the first episode and we don't have time in this recording to go into it too much but you know one of the things that i've had to go through is the loss of my only sibling and he passed away from leukemia when i was only uh, 13 and you know that's really something that for me that keeps me living my life is the loss of my only bloodline which i'm now the only bloodline and the um, generation that's going to live on and i don't plan to have a family i don't plan to have kids i I actually really hate kids i'm not afraid to say that people that know me well know that so if you're surprised hi welcome to getting juicy with hero and rachel rachel and hero and friends but i mean in all reality yeah you got all the transgenerational epigenetic traumatic health stuff that we go through. And then you also have the stuff that you deal with in your own life. So it's like, no matter which way I turn left, right, center, the more skills that I have from whether it's yoga, if it's um, clinical therapy and life-based skill development, which I've done through dialectic behavior therapy and 20 years of psychology and psychiatry since, you know, whatever. Thanks mom. Um, You kind of have to make the best of it especially if you are listening and you are someone that can relate to that where you know that you can't inflict self-harm to yourself whether if it's through a device if it's through medication or whatever it is just the idea of self-harm to debilitate your livelihood of living your life you kind of have a, a little niche of where you're kind of not stuck but you know that you're here and you might as well find the meaning in what you have while you have it because before you know it it's going to go like that and then you're not going to have it and then no one's going to be able to see the appreciation and the beauty in the skill set and the, the story you have to share, you know? So, well, and, and, you know, like we, we're all very lucky really, because we, all three of us, I know have people that love them and mm-hmm. it, like at least one person that really loves them, that really supports them will really have their back. Not everyone has that necessarily. Right. Like they're, no, that's true. So, um, you know, with that being said, I think that, um, well, I know that when I, when we finish this recording, I'd like to have some sort of link for, for people to, who, who really feel like they don't have anybody, mm-hmm. a, a number or something that someone can reach out to get the help they need. Because, you know, I do know, I, I know of people that have either thought they didn't have anyone or really don't have anyone in their lives. Right. Yep. So we, you know, with, we've, we've definitely struggled, but we've, we've had people, Right. I, th- I think. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, one of the, one of the things that I think is, is important in, in what, what you're saying and wanting to provide, I mean, people like finding, finding stuff is hard, right? Like, I mean, I want it to be, okay. So a couple of stories on this one, first time I actually did attempt, no, second time I attempted suicide mm-hmm. um, was when I was 15 and um yeah the so my mom had actually tried to commit suicide um a couple months before that and um so then anyways i did took a whole bunch of pills down um getting your stomach pump sucks so don't do stuff that'll get your stomach pumped um but then 
you know, where, where did they, the, the best place that they could, could put me because they thought it was dangerous for me to go back with my mom right away, which is understandable enough. Um, but yeah, I got put in a juvenile delinquent center in Regina. Um, <laughs> For a week oh wow days. that is um, not where you where you, wow yeah that's not so really the system so that, no so like right. so the system essentially was like this is where this is the next this is what we got for this kid wow man like, we don't wow. got wow. anywhere else yeah. that we can we can give him to you that we wow. feel he's going to be safe and um right. you know wow that, that that experience is full of stories because i yes. was um myself and you know, I was 15 at the time. I think the other guy was either 12 or 13 were the only two Caucasians in there. Um, so that, that was also an interesting experience. It was, we need way more time. Yeah. 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 And, no, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have yeah. you back. Yeah, oh, so we we're going to have you back. You can't say no. Yeah. We can't say no at this point. We're just going to, we're just going to reel it in. Yeah. We'll back in. Yeah. Or, I don't know. This is the right direction. We're but just going to sit that juice box all the way out and just scrunch it up into smithereens. So I don't know. I know. But as you were saying, please continue. Yeah, so, please continue yeah. this story. So with it, um, just on that note, I want to say it was, it was one of the, the, it was actually a tremendous experience in my life. I mean, I was lucky that, you know, I could talk my way out of things um, well enough and, and yeah. ingratiate myself to people well enough. Um, but it was, yeah, the, the cultural aspects. Anyways, that's a whole nother story. But with it is that was a spot that, that they had for me. So then come back to adult life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, when, I, my, when I moved back to Langley, um, when I moved to Langley, sorry, I lived in Calgary for a while, moved back to Lower Mainland, moved to Langley. I was like, okay, I'm going to get proactive about this stuff. Like, I really want to deal with it. So I found a support group in Langley, and um, it was me at 27, 28, and, and three 55-year-old women. Um, so <laughs> I did that support group. didn't work that well for me. And then... <laughs> Um, finding a psychiatrist, um, found one in a quickish time frame, but, um, he's also, which is, which is another story. Um, basically after I asked, um, my, my GP, I was like, psychiatrist is great. He's giving me the stuff that psychiatrist needs, but I would like to speak to someone with a little more empathy. And he was like, here's, you know, um, a, a therapist that I send some people to. She's great. So I went and saw her. She asked me if she could request records from my psychiatrist. I said, yes. There's a whole bunch of circumstances where my psychiatrist had to cancel appointments in this time, or else I would have asked him about the therapist. But I went mm-hmm. back to my psychiatrist and he's like, oh, so I saw you were starting to see a therapist. I said, yeah. And I started to explain stuff. And he was like, yeah, since you didn't do that with my consultation, I'm not sure that this should continue. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So then we got to the North Shore, had a breakdown, and I got taken into this, you know, um, oh, geez, CPS, Community Psychiatric Services, which is actually 
just um, a, a tremendous support network. But one, I've just given you a number of experiences where that definitely wasn't there. And yeah. number two, yeah. the only way that I found out about this was by having a breakdown and being, you know, um, given, given the place to stay in Magnolia House. So it's the only right. way wow. that I found that. So basically what I'm saying and what you're talking about doing is just giving giving the information on where Resources. to go. Exactly. Right? Because it's not easy to find. It's is not you, readable. You feel, readable. Right. No. Yeah. And I know we, we, have to, we have to, unfortunately, we have to wrap this up. But um, right. yeah, I know. I wish, I wish we had more time. Well, we will have you back on. But just with the resources thing, do you, um, do you have some that you can give me that you yeah. feel? Because I know you're, you're yeah. more active in the community that... Yeah. Okay, good. That that you feel like are yeah. uh, reliable, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. good. And, so we'll and, find and those. Some, yeah. You know, and some web resources and what. Great. That, yeah. Yeah, because not every, right because not everyone might might be listening to this who are living in Vancouver, British Columbia. You know those kinds of things. Um, so just just to wrap this up with you, uh, dear Jeff, not Jeffrey. You're welcome. Um, just before we wrap this up, and we will have you back for sure because we still didn't really talk about the Jewishness, and I'd like to talk yeah. about that a little bit more and delve into some more things. What would you like to leave our listeners with, or is there anything that you want to talk to them about about what you're doing right now? Because we do like to have, have. I want you to plug some stuff that you're doing. <laughs> we can help you out with no and, oh, and yeah, yeah. cross. Uh, I was going to say cross contaminate. Hello. That's not, that's not great, but Obviously, that's okay. There's a pandemic happening right here. Right now. Right now. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you collaboration know. is what I meant to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you want to see more, I guess, of what I'm doing, um, I mean, my, my main thing that I'm doing in the way of yoga work and of things is, mm -hmm. um, I teach sports specific yoga and really focused on swimming specific yoga, which is yoga designed for swimmers and multi-sport athletes. Um, so it, the, the company is called Swimming Specific Yoga, uh, website swimmingspecificyoga.com. I uh, also have a YouTube channel, which yep. I think I, I looked last night, I think it's got about 130 videos on there that are specifically designed um, great. for I've the population. Seen, yeah. Thank you. No, they're really well put together. I've seen some of the, even some of the more recent ones where you really break down certain poses for every body. So I love it. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's something that, you know, I mean, there's too much that we can talk about I know. But at another point, because, <laughs> you know, you say that and all of the stories I have about mics mm -hmm. breaking or mm -hmm. doing a whole day of filming. Oh and God. And that'll SD be a very, we'll get it. We'll get into we'll get in, virtual that'll, that'll be a recording. different yeah. Yeah. change of the industry. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So anyways, totally. people just got kind of where you can find out more about me. Um, I would also say, you know what, go to, if you want to, if you want to see if I'm funny or not, you can put comments in where Rachel is saying, no, Jeff, you're not funny at all. Um, here's <laughs> feedback for your jokes. If you go stand up for mental health, uh, Jeff Grace, um, you can find me YouTube wise. And then I would oh. say juno juno is a girl that i was talking yes. about if you put yes. in in youtube stand up for mental health juno mac juno yeah mac. that, that hey. one you're gonna oh. laugh at me i'm not gonna <laughs> promise that one you're gonna laugh at 
<laughs> yeah, maybe everyone, maybe everyone will just think, oh, but Jeff is just so cute and dreamy, and so well, I'll just have crushes on Jeff, Jeff Grace. Well, and I've got a story for that part, too. Yeah, that's so another, exactly. We didn't even start with gentlemen. that. We didn't even start with that. I know. I was so, like, when are we going to get to that? We'll do that in part two. We'll leave so the my, so, Sounds good. Exactly. Sounds good. My that time I got for Clint when I met Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Your eyes are twinkling. Um, oh, the they're always twinkling. I know they they're are I'm staring deeply into your eyes right now. Um, mm. So my, my man my men Oshevitz. Oh, look at you. If anyone, I'm not even Manischewitz drunk yet. Is, it's Jewish that. wine, by the way, that uh, we would get to drink during Passover. And when you were kids, it was very sweet, sort of like, um, a spiked um, grape juice. It was quite delicious. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that don't know what Manischewitz is, but anyhow, um, thank you so much, Jeff, for taking the time to Absolutely. chat with us. And it was just great to have you on as our first guest, um, somebody that we both um, do know. And um, we can't wait to have you back. So thank you. Yes. And thank you. Thank yeah, you. Congrats to you guys doing this, man. It's. Uh, it, it's 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 not an easy thing to step out like this right so congrats for you guys on taking the thank step you. and uh and going for it it's great thank you yes yeah. thank you jeff progresses yep we Absolutely. can't wait to have you back on very soon and everyone listening stay tuned because it's going to get very juicy it will get juicier i apologize no, i shouldn't say apologize but this was it was a bit of a somber episode but i feel like it needed to be done so i know our first episode was quite goofy but you know you're going to get little yeah. You're going to get the full spectrum of everything.